I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. We're, we're thinking about Daniel and, and how he lived for God in uh, Babylon and under the Persian regime as well, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the, uh, their faithfulness in those places uh, that were very foreign to them and hostile to their faith. And we wanted, we've been trying to bring some uh, parallels into our own lives as we live for Christ in a hostile environment, an increasingly hostile environment in our day and time in a society that doesn't uh, approve of what we believe. But we want to be faithful like Daniel and these others. And we know that God is in control of all things. He's sovereign. Uh, he's the great king. He's the one with dominion. He sets up rulers and brings them down as we saw in the last couple of weeks. But today, sadly, we're closing out the narrative portion of Daniel. We'll be looking at some of the dreams and prophecies of Daniel in the coming weeks. And that will continue to have a a word to say to this theme uh, of living for Christ in a hostile world. But I think today we we are encountering one of the more uh, well-known Bible passages in Scripture. And long may it be so. Uh, We lived in England as many of you know, for seven years, and I'll never forget uh, one of my uh, comrades in the ministry who was there before me uh, had invited some non-Christian friends over uh, who, uh, for dinner, and uh, they knew that he was a pastor, and so they asked him, you know, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And he said, oh, yeah, Daniel in the lion's den. And the guy goes, yes, I know that one. That's where Daniel pulls the thorn out of the lion's paw. So a little confusion. That's not what this passage is about, as we will see. But most people in America today are still familiar with this, and we hope that that continues, that we continue to have an awareness of God's Word, His, His powerful Word. So let's, without further ado, hear God's Word from Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that should that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. 
Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes the petition to any god or man within, these, within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den... The lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. The king, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall, never, shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I've mentioned in the past that there's a hymn that I'm not particularly fond of uh, that refers to Daniel. It's called Dare to Be a Daniel, written by Philip Bliss. He wrote many wonderful hymns. Uh, I don't really care for this one. Uh, because it, it, it props Daniel up on a pedestal a little more than, than I think is the, than should be done. But it does have some good things about it. Uh, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. It's kind of a pep rally hymn. That's why I guess I don't like it. It's trying to get us pumped up and, and have the resolve like Daniel has. But, you know, Daniel really is not that much different from us. Yes, he was a great Old Testament saint, 
And here he is, uh, he's probably about 80 years old here, and uh, I've got a picture that I was looking at as I, I did some re- was doing some research for this sermon, uh, a painting that was done probably in the 1500s, 1600s of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, in the picture, Daniel is, I mean, he is built. I mean, he's like a bodybuilder, and he's probably like 25 years old, and he's staring up into heaven, and there's these lions with their mouths shut all around him. Well, that's not the picture at all uh, of what, it, what, what really happened. Daniel was an older gentleman. Uh, he had been serving a long time in the government, and uh, here he is, an, an older gentleman being thrown into these, into these lions, uh, into their very mouths. But Daniel does have resolve, and there are some wonderful things about Daniel, but he's not so very different from us. And I've got three reasons today why. God equipped Daniel, uh, God guided Daniel, God equipped Daniel, and God protected Daniel. And the same is true for us today. You know, Daniel made a difference in his world uh, by the way that he lived his life, uh, in his work, in his job, basically, and in using the gifts that God had given him, uh, in the way that he exercised his faith in his private life, uh, he, he made a difference in the world in which he lived, a very profound difference when you think about how he influenced Nebuchadnezzar uh, and, and now King Darius. Very profound effect, but, you know, he's not so very different from us in that he was just faithful to his God, to God's word, using his gifts wherever he was and entrusting himself to the care of his heavenly father. And, and we can be Daniels as well. We don't have to, to be daring to be a Daniel. We just need to be faithful to be a Daniel. Let's look at these things in turn. First of all, we see here God guides his people. He guided Daniel. Now the word amen, we've said it several times here this morning. The word amen means truly. You know, when Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, and some translations will say, truly, truly, I say unto you. He's literally saying, amen, amen, I say unto you. And then he says some profound statement. Uh, The word amen means truly. It's a Hebrew word, and we say it at the end of prayers to express agreement. You know, may it be so, or, or we believe it's true, or we agree with you. You know, liturgically, actually, if, if we're in a place where people are, when one person is praying on behalf of everyone else, actually everybody should say amen. So I should say in Jesus' name, and if you agree with the prayer, you should say amen as well. And I've been in churches where they do that, and that's, that's appropriate to do so. And if you want to do that in the coming prayers, you're welcome to do so. You're just saying, I agree with that. I, I think it's true. It's faithful and true, That's those statements that you're praying. Well, the word amen or, or a form of the word amen is in this passage before us today in, in two different places. We first see it in verse 4. Uh, it says, The president's satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. That word faithful is a form of the word amen. And no error or fault was found in him. Daniel was faithful. He was faithful, here we see, in his public life. These men didn't like Daniel. Daniel was, was very gifted by God, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, and he was excelling. 
I mean, he had already served in Nebuchadnezzar's regime with the Babylonians, and now that the Persians are in, in power, uh, he's, he's uh, showing himself to be a very, very valuable asset to the kingdom. He's very wise. Uh, God has given him some ability to understand things and to interpret dreams and, and uh, interpret handwriting on the walls we saw uh, last week. And so the king is seeing these gifts and he's putting him in a position of authority and he's about to put him you know, right at the very top of the kingdom. Well, some people don't like that. And uh, they can't find anything wrong with Daniel. In his job, basically this, what this statement is saying, he is faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Some translations that say there, there was no corruption uh, nobody could dig up any dirt on Daniel. It's not like the politicians today. You know, as soon as somebody announces that they're going to run for a position uh, in any government, the opposition starts digging up dirt on them to force the, 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 the smear cam- campaign that's bound to come. Well, they were trying to do this to Daniel, and there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing there because he was faithful. He, uh, he was true. Uh, he always uh, lived right publicly. Now, why did he do so? You know, he did so because God was his guide. God guided his people. He was familiar with God's word. It becomes apparent as you read the scriptures that we've read, Jeremiah 29. You know, we know Daniel was familiar with Jeremiah uh, because we're going to see in the coming weeks that he knows that Jeremiah has prophesied that the end of this exile is going to be 70 years. We'll see that next week, I believe. He's been reading Jeremiah. He, he knows what Jeremiah has prophesied. I believe he understands Jeremiah 29 and, and the instruction that Jeremiah has sent to the exiles. And he's doing that. And what, Just to remind you, verse 4 of Jeremiah 29, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. And that is so true of Daniel. I mean, he was working for the Babylonians and now for the Persians. These were uh, not allies of Jerusalem or, or, or the nation of Judah, but they were their enemies. And here he is in exile. He's following God's instructions. He heard the word from Jeremiah, the word of the Lord, and he is seeking the welfare of that nation where he's, he's faithfully living out what God has told him to do. He knows God's word, He's, he's obeying God's word. So in his public life, he's making a profound difference because he knows God's word and he believes it. And he's, he's putting it into practice in his life. Now the second place that we see amen is in verse 23. Then the king, was, this is after Daniel is... Uh, delivered from the lion's den, the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. That word trusted is a a form of the word 
Amen. Daniel trusted in his God. He had faith. He believed in God. He believed what the Bible said about God, that God would preserve his people and deliver them. And he trusted in God. So see, Daniel was guided in his public life and how he lived out in the world by God's word. God guided him and he put his trust in that. Well, not only was Daniel faithful to God's word in his public life, but he was also faithful to God's word in his private life. You see Daniel praying. Uh, he, he, is, uh, he is there three times a day praying away, and the, his enemies know this, and they're trying to use it against him. So they make it illegal to pray for 30 days. Now, you and I might have said, oh, well, it's just 30 days. No big deal. You know, we, we don't want to stir up a ruckus or get in trouble of any kind. But no, Daniel proceeds on, as was his habit, it tells us. So he was faithful to God in his private life. Now, you say, where in the world does it say that we are, we are required to pray three times a day in the top room facing Jerusalem with the windows open? This was his practice. Well, that's not a requirement for, for you and I, nor was it a particular requirement for, for Daniel, but it is uh, in God's Word. When Solomon dedicated the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, uh, he, he says uh, that, that prayers, that God may not you know, dwell in one place, but he's in the temple and prayers should be directed to God there. And he gives several scenarios in 1 Kings 8. If people fall into sin, they need to pray to God towards the temple. And then the last scenario that he, that he says in 1 Kings 8, this, Solomon says this, If they sin against you, if God's people sin against you, but there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy far off or near, yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent, and plead with you in the land of their captors, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their enemies who carry them captive, and pray to you toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, and the house that I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause. I believe Daniel understood that. Daniel knew what God's word said about praying when they are in exile. How should they? They should pray towards Jerusalem. And that's exactly what Daniel was doing. Daniel was faithful to God's word. He knew what God's word said, and he was living in light of that truth. Now, just a couple of side notes about these, these things. First of all, first little side note is this. Faith gets rid of the need to plan and scheme. You'll notice that Daniel is not upset about anything. Uh, he, he's, not, uh, he's not plotting and scheming. The, the people who are plotting and scheming are these ones who are doing this underhanded uh, plot to get Daniel into trouble. You know, they're thinking and, and trying to figure out a way to catch him out and to, to bring him down. But Daniel goes about his business. Daniel faithfully following God day after day, habitually doing what he's supposed to be doing. See, when you are faithful to God, when you, when you do what's right on a regular basis, you don't have to plot or scheme or try to figure things out. You just do what God's told you to do and, and trust yourselves to his care. 
And there's no need to plot or worry or scheme. You're doing the right thing. You're doing what God has told you to do. And there's no reason to fret. Well, these other, these other people, these satraps, these governors, these, these people are all scheming and they're all in a, in a tizzy doing the wrong thing. You know, anytime we have to plot or try to figure things out, it's usually as a result of our own sin and we're trying to get ourselves out of it. Well, that's one side note. Another side note is this. Uh, the habit of doing the right thing. Uh, Daniel was in the habit of doing the right thing. When, when, when the, it says when the decree came down, when it was signed, he went right as was his practice and went and prayed three times a day. He didn't stop. He didn't have to think about it. He, just was, he was just in the practice and he did it. Faithful to his God, understanding what God's word had said. Same is true for you and I. You know, if we want to be faithful to the Lord, we have to get in the habit of doing these things. We have to, to do the right thing. And the more you do it, the easier it is to do it. You know, when it comes time to say, come to Sunday morning worship or Sunday evening worship uh, or to pray regularly or to tithe these spiritual disciplines that we have, you know, when, if you're in the habit of doing them, then when something comes up or there's a difficulty or someone challenges that or, or confronts you about it or there's some temptation to compromise, if you're already in the habit of doing it, it's easy to say, well, this is just what we do and we're going to continue doing what we do. Uh, we've always, now, I, I've, I'm at an advantage because I, I have to be at all these things because I'm the preacher. And I drag my family along to uh, morning service, evening service. And I, we always kind of, Sarah and I would always laugh when people would say, oh, we, we can't come to evening service because we have kids. And we have four kids, and we, they were always there. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of an insult in one way, because, like, we're there, why can't you be there? We, we want you to be there, and, and it's possible to, to get people there, to get children there. But we were just in the habit of doing that. And it just, we didn't even think about it anymore. The same is true for all of those spiritual disciplines, whether it's tithing or, you know... If you're not in the practice of doing something and you do it for a few days or a few weeks, it's easy to get sidetracked. But if it's been your practice your whole life, it gets to the point where you don't even think about it anymore. Daniel was in that habit three times a day without, a, without a, even a thought. Well, God equips his people. Daniel was equipped. Uh, not only was he using God's word as his guide, but God had equipped him. Verse 3 tells us that Daniel distinguished himself because an excellent spirit was in him. He had the Holy Spirit. Daniel 1 tells us that God gave Daniel uh, and his friends learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. It was a gift from God. Chapter 4 and 5 we saw repeatedly Daniel being referred to as someone uh, the, who had the spirit of the holy God in him. So Daniel had the spirit in him, an excellent spirit, as it says in Daniel 5. And just as God gave Daniel his gifts, and he used them in Babylon and Persia for the, for the good of those kingdoms and for the furtherance of, of God's kingdom... The same is true for us. 
You know, we can say, dare to be a Daniel. You know, well, I don't have the ability to interpret dreams. No, maybe not, but you've got a spiritual gift. The Bible tells us, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Good. God gives gifts to his people that we can use uh, in the church, in our lives. God has given you certain skills, certain abilities. Uh, and don't think just because uh, you know, I'm good at math or you know, I'm an engineer or I'm a doctor that that's unspiritual. No, that's not. Daniel worked in government. And that's what he did. He was a wise person and he used that wisdom and that ability to understand things uh, for the benefit of those kingdoms in which he lived. He used his gifts. So if we dare to be a Daniel, all we really need to do is trust God's word, be faithful to it, and use our gifts. We can make a difference. And we're no different than Daniel. We don't have to put Daniel on a pedestal. We can do that too. And God has called us to do that, to use our gifts. Well, that will often put us in conflict with the world. When you go out in the world like Daniel and you live out God's word, you put your faith in it, you believe it, and you put it into practice in your life, and you use your gifts and, and, and for, for people's good and, and for the furtherance of his kingdom, that will put you into conflict with the world. Uh, there's a, a wonderful saying that says, reliability to Christ is a liability to the world. Reliability to Christ. If you're faithful to Christ, you're going to be a liability to the world. The world's not going to like it. Jesus said, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you as well. So it's going to put us into conflict with the, with the, with the world. But the wonderful thing is, God protects his people. That's the third point. Daniel was saved from the lion's den. Verse 22 tells us that God sent an angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me, Daniel says, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. God protected Daniel. It was a, it was a supernatural thing. An angel came down and protected him. And the same is true for us. God protects and delivers us, and it's guaranteed. And we have even greater uh, reason to believe that because we have a wonderful demonstration of it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see parallels between Daniel and Jesus. You know, Daniel was framed on a false charge by the Persian administrators. Same is true of Jesus. He was framed by the, Roman, uh, by the religious leaders of his day, and they reported to the Roman authorities that, that this uh, fellow Jesus uh, claims to be king of the Jews. He's against Rome. Well, that's not true. So he was falsely accused. Jesus, just like Daniel, was arrested while at prayer in a private location. Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested. Pilate, just like Darius, worked for his release. Pilate worked for Jesus' release, just like Darius worked for Daniel's release. But in the end, both Daniel and Jesus are turned over to be executed. Of course, the big difference between the two is that Daniel emerges without a scratch. He's thrown in the den, and you'll notice a stone was rolled in front of the lion's den, and he emerges unscathed. But Jesus, he did not 
go without a scratch. Uh, he, he was killed for us, yet he still emerges. The stone is rolled away, and he still emerges from the tomb. See, that's a, a wonderful guarantee that what has happened to Jesus will also happen to us. Because he was raised from the dead, we too will have eternal life. And you know what? We can do anything now. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, what a hopeless condition it is to, to believe that this life is all there is, that you die, that you're food for worms, as one lady told me one time. What kind of life is that? I mean, you would be a nervous wreck if you valued your life at all because it could be over at any moment and then it's done. It's, it's, there's nothing left. But the believer has, because of what Christ has done, has this wonderful hope, a hope of eternal life. And yes, if the world hates us, that's okay. Even if the world kills us, it's okay because we will live forever. The new heavens, the new earth. That is a guaranteed promise. Verse 22 says, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. We can Christianize, if you want to put it that way, that verse and, and change it to this. My God sent his son, and he defeated the ultimate enemy, death. And he has... He was harmed because he was, not because I was found blameless, but because he was blameless but took sin upon himself. He had done no harm to anyone, but harm was done to him in my place. And therefore, we can emerge with eternal life forever. Well, in conclusion, we would do well to follow the decree of Darius that we tremble in fear before the God of Daniel because he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He is the one who delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, who has saved us from the power of death through Christ. Do you really believe in the God of Daniel? If so, trust his word. Put it into practice. Use your gifts that he's given you and trust yourself to his protection. Let's pray.